Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday evening by Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, they've done it again. <laughs> they've taken a 3 nothing lead in their playoff series. The Islanders have second straight year in a row. And uh, today it was in overtime. Uh, Matt Barzell with a really sweet winner. And before it was a pretty methodical 5-2 uh, win uh, on Friday night. And... Uh, it's a pretty good feeling, I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this so far, uh, and so are the Islanders, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it it was really just great. I mean, it. it I'm not going to say that I I thought that they were going to win that whole time because uh, there were definitely moments where I, where I was, you know, a little. I thought they were a little shaky, but seeing them claw their way through a win like this, and then uh, obviously the game winner, like, come on, that, that was beautiful and. The type of uh, the type of goal, if it, if it was scored by Connor McDavid or uh, uh, someone of that kind of ilk, would be talked about on on Twitter for for days. But uh, you know, the Islanders kind of just flying under the radar here. Everyone everyone's still talking about uh, their ping pong more than you know their their play. So it's like uh, it people are. I'm, I'm not saying other teams are, but I think people are not really noticing uh, just how well they're playing overall. Like this has been now what the we're we're on week three of of the bubble and and the islanders uh arguably have been the most consistent team in in this tournament uh i, I don't really 
I can't really think of another one, maybe Vegas, but you know, they've, they played in that weird round Robin thing more than uh, in the first round. So it's, it's really kind of interesting to see the. I'm not saying anyone's sleeping on them, especially other teams who, you know, when, when, it, when they are scheduled against the Islanders, will come around and be like, yeah, we we will be ready for them. But uh, they're definitely, you know, they're not, they're getting credit in like the, the way that the, the national media talks about the Islanders. Like, Oh, Barry Trotz has these guys, you know, well drilled. Uh, whereas people aren't realizing that there's a lot more to this right now than than uh, than meets the eye. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll read something in, in a little bit, but no, definitely um, this this time in the bubble. So after he scored the game winner, Matt Barzell was on, I guess, Sportsnet, uh, one of those little quick hits that they do, and he said they're loving life in the bubble and they're having a blast, and it seems like it because since getting there and playing these games they have been very consistent they they had a, basically 60 percent of the shots for uh against the panthers and if it wasn't for a couple of gaffes in the beginning of a third period uh in game three they would have swept the panthers <laughs> basically they came back and shut the door on them pretty pretty efficiently in the next game and then so far against the caps they have been extremely consistent i mean today again uh, they, this is in game three now, 56.37% of the attempts. This is by our friend, Carrie Haber via natural stat trick. Um, they've had 67% almost of the high danger chances and 67% of the expected goals for, I mean, these are numbers that don't come by accident. And if you look at the map, uh, I'll post Carrie's tweet, uh, in the, the post for this episode. But, uh, when you look at the map, you know, sometimes these things can be hard to read, but this one is not. There's a very deep, dark red blob in front of the Islanders net, which signifies their performance. And there is a light colored sort of green blob in front of the Capitals net, which you know shows their performance. And it's pretty obvious that one team is getting all of the high danger chances right in front of the net and the other one isn't. And that team is the New York Islanders. They're just coming out. And yes, they're working harder than the Caps. And, and that was pretty evident today as well, especially after the first period. My God, the Caps look like they uh, they attacked that first period the way I attack mowing the lawn. Like they just were not into it. They just trying to look like they're trying to get it over with as soon as they could. Um, they came back to life a little bit in the second. It was a little bit more of an even period. Uh, and then the Islanders kind of took over towards the end of the third. But this is a team that deserves this 3-0 lead. This isn't luck. This isn't just, you know, one team kind of just getting, you know, a couple of good saves here and there and a couple of lucky bounces. This is a team that has consistently outworked a team with guys that are known across the hockey world. And they're doing it with guys that don't get as much publicity, but are talented and have talent. And like you said, this isn't just a matter of like, yeah, it's just a game plan, whatever. Anybody can do this. Like, these guys are good. <laughs> they know what they're doing. And, you know, when Matt Martin is scoring goals like he did in game one, uh, was it game one or was that uh, that was uh, no, no, that was game, game two. two. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Like there is something to these guys. They're not it's not just a game plan. Like they know what they're doing and they're out there doing it. And if they do it one more time, they're off to the second round before almost anybody else. Vegas plays tonight uh, that we're recording this. So. It's been really something to see, and and it's been a lot of fun. And whether or not anybody really notices, besides us and the people listening to this podcast or not, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it it's been so much better, and, and we've talked about it now a lot. That the, the the tournament itself, I think, has looked better. It's felt it's like it than than anyone expected. Like it's just it's been 
um, it's been uh, like a huge pleasant surprise just the way it's going. And part of that is the Islanders. Like they've also been a pleasant surprise too. Like they, the, the way that they're playing and, and they're, they're enjoyable to watch. Like we're trained to watch this team um, excel at this, in this style. So we're enjoying the hell out of it. And I, I think there's some people out there who, who can really appreciate what's going on, but the, the, the greater narrative uh, since Trotz took over and since uh, John Tavares, you know, went to Toronto to join the the all-star team up there. The 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 narrative around this team has been they're playing above their head. Um, they're just it's it's the coach. Uh, there there's a lot of other uh, there's like a lot of I don't want to say water on the fire because people are giving the Islanders credit, but they're not doing it in the same way that they they would if if the Islanders were you know winning five three games and and stuff like that. Uh, the the thing that's that that bothers me the most is that, that there's not enough credit being given to guys who, like you said, are talented. Like Josh Bailey is a talented hockey player. He he was a first round pick, and he sure he's he maybe is wasn't when I think what they did the Islanders traded down twice in, from the fifth pick in that draft and whatever. So he's always kind of been like weirdly, um, you know, made fun of by the Islander fan base and and. And like the greater hockey at large, but he's a really good player. Like Jordan Eberle, really good player. The, these these they're not superstars, but these are good players all over this uh, this roster. And just because they're well coached and play well defensively, doesn't mean that they're they're just a bunch of bad guy bad players running around and getting lucky and getting good goaltending. Like there is a lot of talent on this roster. It's not you know McDavid, Austin Matthews level talent, but they also have depth. Like, like those the teams that those guys play for don't and they 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 play a committed style on defense and those teams don't so the islanders are not just like they're not just doing the old get good goaltending and score a goal off a shin pad you know with two minutes left in the third to win two one in, in a lucky way like they're this is a game plan that's being executed by very good hockey players yeah that's about that's that's the long and short of it right there and and again it's been just a blast to watch and apparently a blast to play too um let's just recap the, the two games real quick since we last spoke so yeah game two was a 5-2 islanders win uh went off the rails right off the bat oh, alex ovechkin scored 56 seconds in uh, a couple of weird bounces and it ends up on his stick and probably not the best goal Simeon varlamov's given up but you know uh it was real early and you figured well they had time to come back and the first ten minutes did not look good for the Islanders. They were they couldn't complete a pass. It was not not the best showing. But uh, by the end of it, they had ended up out shooting the Caps twelve to six and, and looked a lot better. The second period was all Islanders. Uh, Nick Letty on the power play scored. Matt Martin again cutting across the uh, the net mouth scored. Um, Ovechkin tied it on his own tip in front of the net, which I think was also a power play goal. But uh, like a few seconds after that, Brock Nelson scored one of the best breakaway goals you'll see i mean he just literally stole the puck from jacob Vrana at the uh at the uh blue line and just went in and scored and Vrana ended up seeing a lot of the bench after that um and that was it the the islanders took the lead back and just did not relinquish it and uh with about four and a half minutes to go um you know they're trying to lock things down um and they the islanders had a shift that will live on in infamy for a long time. I'm also going to include a, a tweet that our Jenny Berman from Lighthouse Hockey made uh, that maps this whole thing out. But if you haven't seen it, and I'm sure anybody listening to this has, uh, it's remarkable. The entire shift is absolutely spectacular. And it 
was literally a minute and a half of the Islanders keeping the puck in the capital zone. They refused to let the Caps have it. They refused to let the puck go down the other way. And at the end, a goal was justifiably scored and it went down in a weird way. Somebody, I think it was Anders Lee, maybe kicked it to JG Pajot, who was literally coming off the bench. They, they changed players like three times, I think, in the course of this one shift, which is ridiculous. And Pajot just flung it in front of the net and there was Cal Clutterbuck and the puck bounced off his wrist. Braden Holpe, he didn't even move. He didn't even know what was going to happen. And I mean, that was one of the most deserved goals you've ever seen after one of the most incredible shifts I could possibly remember. And the game was done. It was 4-2. Anders Lee hit the hit an open net, an empty net after that. And, you know, his second goal, I guess, of the game. And and that was it. Um, I, I just, I can't remember something else happening like that. And I was, that was one of the most proudest moments of my <laughs> time as an Islanders fan. And it was this one shift. And, and right after the game, that's all anybody could talk about was how amazing that shift was. That was all we could talk about. Nobody else really talked about anything, but uh, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, I'm never going to forget that shift and it's, I want it Zapruder film. I want it taught in classes and I, you know, there should be a 30 for 30 on that shift because it's the most amazing thing. You know, that's a shift that we've never seen the Islanders do or have in years, in years, you know, and it, it, this is our team. That's our team. They were like a bunch of rabid dogs and uh, it was awesome. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it was awesome. Yeah. They're, they're, they're putting together that, I mean, that three minute sequence, whatever, however long it was, it felt like it was a lot shorter than that because like it wasn't happening against you. Usually that stuff when it's happening against your team, it feels like it's like a six minute shift. Um, but that, that one was, is going to stand out, um, for the playoffs, but there's, they are like, there have been so many moments and this goes back to the Panther series too, where the Islanders are just kind of imposing their will on these teams. And and I don't really, I would say that the Panthers and Capitals, like this is probably the, the path that I, I would have chosen as like the best path through the qualifying round. And then round one for the Islanders, um, because I think they match up well against both these teams, but it's not like, you know, you know, the odds too, like they, the, the Panthers series was a coin flip. The, this series was basically a coin flip with the Capitals, like a little bit uh, with the slight favorites. Like these aren't games that the Islanders aren't the, you know, the the Bruins playing the the Senators. These, these are uh, teams that are supposed to give them a hard time. And there are just times where I'm watching, I'm like, well, is this the best team in the world? Like what is going on? Like, how, like they are dominated. It's been like four or five minutes of just straight domination. And it's, and it's not through, you know, guys dipsy doodling around people and making people look silly. It's just through grunt work. Like these get the puck in deep. They go to work. They cycle so well. They know where each other is supposed to be. The defense, no one, the defensemen know when to support and when not to. And if they are, if, if there's ever, you know, a sniff of trouble coming back the other way and the puck gets kicked out to the blue line and, you know, Scott Mayfield or Andy Green or Adam Pellick are there, they, they know exactly where to put the puck to avoid a counterattack going the other way. It's, um, it's clinical. It's fun to watch. It's just so encouraging. Uh, it's fun. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, you, you put it perfectly in the beginning. Like you're, we're, we're all having so much fun that you, and people are like, Oh, this game would have been great at the Coliseum. Like it's, it, you need to just stop thinking about that at this point. Like you got to just be able to separate uh, what's going on with, how lucky we are just to be watching uh you know playoff hockey in august like it we would have all signed up for this you know back in in march uh in, in a heartbeat so just if you separate it and you just enjoy it for what it is and the fact that like the, for me like i was all i want is this team to get the respect that they deserve and, and 
and not just in the, you know, Barry Trotz has this team, you know, this lovable group of losers, you know, playing well. Like I want, I want Josh Bailey to get the respect he deserves. I want Ryan Pollock to get the respect he deserves. And um, it's, it's nice to start hearing them kind of one by one get there. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with Gordon Miller, who I think, you know, knows, knows the Islanders better than I think any other national broadcaster does. Like he does such a good job at, at, at knowing like the, the layers of this team, but um, it's, it's, that's what it is. And we talked about Brad Richardson talking about the coyotes. Uh, and, and he's like, I want to be, I want this team to be part of the conversation. And that, that's, that really changed the way I was looking at these playoffs. And uh, obviously winning the Stanley cup would be fantastic, but I just want people to start thinking about Hey, you know what, you know, maybe these Islanders are onto something and maybe like what we've been, how we've been treating them and this fan base is a little unfair and I don't, that's not going to happen, but you know, that will be nice. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it, the, I, you know what? I, I hate to say it. I haven't been watching NBC for these games. I'm, I'm a strict uh, MSG plus. Uh, I have to keep my routine. I'm like superstitious, like the players are. So I have my routine. I got the MSG plus, uh, uh, you know, pregame show going on. Butch and Brendan, the whole thing, taking me the whole way. Uh, and then I uh, watch the postgame show and stuff like that. So I'm glad that at least Gord Miller has noticed things <laughs> as well. But uh, yeah, game two was was even more tilted in the Islanders favor than game three was. I mean, you know, 68% expected goals, 71% high danger chances. Like that's absurd to have 71% of the shots from the slot area, the high danger, like that's just crazy, but that's Islanders hockey. That's what Barry Trotz has been preaching for a long, long time. And he's got this team pulling in this way. And another thing Barzell said was just, you know, our focus is come in, and just do what the coaches ask us to do. And, you know, we've had success so far. And, like, that's it. Like, that's the end of the story. And, you know, again, I go back to thinking about last year in the Penguins uh, series. And it took them a while to get there. Like, the first couple of months of last season weren't that that great. And then around Thanksgiving, you started to see the pieces kind of coming together. And then we said, you know, once in mid-December when Devon Taves joined the team for full time, uh, after Thomas Hickey got hurt, that was when you saw the Islanders coalesce totally. And then two of the holdouts for the rest of the season, as, as successful as they were, two of the holdouts were still Everly and Barzell. But then once they hit the playoffs, those guys clicked. And they, Everly in particular, just victimized the Penguins the entire time. Here you're looking at a team that has finally coalesced and these guys know what they're doing. And even new guys, Pajot and Green, they just fit in. And they just get it like they're veteran guys. They, they're they obviously they found their niche and they're doing it. You know, Peugeot, you could probably ding him a little bit because he hasn't quite brought the offense. He's, you know, been, you've been hoping for maybe he is playing with Derek Broussard and Leo Komarov right now, who aren't really the most, uh, you know, offensively gifted guys in the world. But they're playing better. Uh, Broussard, I thought, had a strong game today. And uh, Leo, you know, he drives Ovi crazy and that's all it needs. He needs to do, you know, so uh, he's you know, takes bad penalties every once in a while and will chip in zero uh, offensively. But uh, I thought he had a pretty okay game today too. At least he didn't take any penalties. So Yeah, and Broussard, that pass that. Broussard made on the eventual yes. game-winning goal was – he's yeah. he's he's that he's got that still in he's, – he's definitely not the same like 60-minute offensive force he was at his in his prime, right. but Rangers, he still has yeah. like that in his locker. Uh, which for sure. Making, making the most of those little moments is, is huge for, for a team like this. Yeah. And like you said, they're smart. They just get rid of the puck and, and they're good at, you know, the other team is going to get their chances. Like they're going to, they're going to eventually tilt the, the ice to their side. And the Caps did that a couple of times today. Um, but the Islanders are good at just 
grabbing the puck and doing something. I don't know what it is exactly, but then just slowing things down. And then just, you know, could be a shift. You know who's good at that is the uh, the Beauvillier-Nelson line. They just get in and they start working uh, down low. Or the Sezikis-Clutterbuck-Martin line, that's what they do is they they just grind it out and forecheck you to death. And the defenseman who just pull it back, gather everything up, and then slowly kind of move things back in the Islanders' direction. Um, so, let, yeah, let's talk about Game 3 today, the 2-1 overtime win. The Islanders' first period was spectacular. The Caps just looked like the game, They you know, it was a noon start, but the Caps looked like they, they didn't realize it, that it was a start, a noon start, that they were just, you know, maybe 1 o'clock was maybe better for them. It was all Islanders. It was a one nothing game. Anders Lee scored. He's had a great series. I'll talk more about him in a little bit. Um, but uh, the second period was more even. Shots ended up being 10-10, and uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov scored a power play goal. This is probably where the, the Islanders' biggest weakness is, is so far being in the penalty kill. The, the Panthers' PK re- uh, power play really kind of ate them up a little bit, and so far the Caps have been pretty successful too. And the problem, of course, is not only that the Islanders' PK hasn't been that great, but the, the Islanders' power play hasn't been that great either. So you can't really say, well, you know, it's justified one or the other. These are two things that they really need to fix, and as great as it is being up 3 nothing, you got to get those special teams straightened out. So – the game stayed tied for a little while because that's up, by the way, did the bird thing, you know, dude, whatever. Like you guys are down to nothing. Like, come on, like just with the bird, just shelve the bird for a minute and, you know, focus on what's, what's important. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Um, I don't know if Todd Reardon said that probably didn't, but we'll talk a lot about him in a little bit, too. Um, so the Islanders, uh, the Caps came out strong in the third period, but uh, the Islanders eventually took things over. And uh, by the end of it, it was kind of all them. Couldn't solve Holtby, who was good. He was very good today, I got to say. He was better than he had been in either of the two previous games. They go to overtime. I'm a nervous wreck. I don't like it. Um, Jacob Vrana gets a breakaway chance very early on. He is turned away by Simeon Varlamov, who came up very huge. Actually, Vrana even got the rebound. Varlamov stopped that, too. Puck kicks over to Derek Broussard, who you're just saying feeds a pass across to Jordan Eberle, who sends it forward to Matt Barzell, who straddles the blue line. So he was on sides and then just turns on the Jets and just does the backhand past the outstretched legs of Braden Holpe. Game over, 3 nothing lead secured, and uh, a lot of excitement. It was funny if you watch the whole celebration. Barzell's like, he's going crazy over the bench. Everybody's mobbed him, and somebody says to him, like, they're checking for offsides, and you can see a look on his face like, what, who, huh, who, what? And then a second later, somebody's like, no, 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 they're okay, you're okay. And then he's like, yeah, and he just starts cursing or whatever. And so, it's, yeah, he gives Beauvillier a big hug. So uh, it was awesome. It was great. And, you know, there's a lot there to like. And, you know, it, it wasn't quite as, say, tight as the first two games. There was, you know, a little bit more caps. Uh, you know, the caps exerted themselves a little bit, uh, particularly in the second period there. But uh, the Islanders never wavered. And, you know, uh, I thought – Two guys that had particularly good games today, Adam Pellick, birthday boy, had an assist on Anders Lee's goal. Uh, I thought he had a really, really, really good game. And um, I thought Anders Lee had a good game, too. And I thought his game, too, was also very good. And the thing I like about him is um, he's just exerting his like physical presence. I, I don't want to sound like Pierre Maguire with a big body presence right now, but he's a large guy and he's exerting that presence and that shift I was talking about before, he played a key role in keeping the puck pinned against the boards behind Braden Holtby's net for, I mean, probably 25 seconds. And like, 
this is the guy. He's the captain of your team. He's making $7 million a year. He's supposed to be like the net front goal guy. But here he is doing the work that you would normally see somebody like Casey Zizekas or Matt Martin doing. Like, that's remarkable for your captain to be giving of himself just to do this because he understands the importance of it. And I was just, I was floored. I know it's a stupid thing, you know, it's a 200 hockey men kind of thing to say, but I just love that about him. And, you know, he can drive me a little bit crazy sometimes, you know, when the, when the pucks aren't falling for him, you know, that, that $7 million paycheck looms large, let's put it that way. And you're just like, "Mm, you know, maybe this guy, I love this guy as a person. I love Anders Lee. We all do. But like, sometimes mm, I don't know, but it's plays like that, that are just like, this guy's great. Like he just gets it. And he's like shrugging people off and just like literally dumping people in the corner to get the puck back. And he he's just had a really, really good series. And even if he, you know, he's got a couple of goals too, which is nice, but even if he hadn't been, he's just been a real physical force, which is really disruptive. And it's really cool to see too. And then, you know, it opens up space for guys like Barzell and Eberle to, to do what they can do. And um, yeah, hopefully that continues. Cause he's really, he's showing me a side. I mean, Anders has always been kind of been like that, but I think seeing it concentrated like this has been really kind of cool. And uh, you haven't seen it that much from him in this sustained kind of way uh, for a long time. So keep, keep going, <laughs> keep doing it. He, he's a, uh, we, we talked about Andy green being the type of guy that if he doesn't show up in the, in the post game, um, you know, right up, he, he, he probably did his job where as Anders Lee is the type of guy you just want to notice uh, every time he's on the ice, because, you know, like you said, he's huge. He's a, a really, he's very good on the puck, uh, better than people give him credit for. And he's got decent hands, so uh, you really just you want to be noticing him when he's uh, when he's playing. And and he's he, I just that's what he's been like. He's just every time he's been out since um, since they since the first round began this round one uh, after the Panther series, he, you've noticed him. You know, obviously the, the backstrom hit probably set the tone. Um, and now you're you're maybe you're you're kind of trained to look for him just because you don't want to see somebody run at him, and you know he's kind of a marked man, but. Even when when he's got the puck, you, like you just you just can't help but notice the uh, just the way he's been playing, and and he's been he's been a lot a frequent guest on these uh, post uh, post period uh, you know question you know two question little press things that they do on via Zoom or whatever, and uh, he's he, even his answers have been fun, and he's you know it's just nice to hear from him. He's he's a he's a he's a smart dude, and he's someone who who's very proud to to be an Islander and to be the captain and. Uh, he's he's another one like he another guy who I want to see get the credit he's due and, and sure that that contract definitely does loom large uh, in a couple of years but for now like he, you you enjoy the ride with him and he's uh, he's he's really he's he's attracting a lot of attention uh, from from defensemen that gives Matt Barzell and Jordan Jordan Eberle a lot more space to operate so when he's on that that line is 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 super super dangerous and and that's just kind of been how it is and. I mean, you, you talk about Pelic. He's just been he's been awesome. Uh, I think the whole the defense as a whole, especially since Andy Green stepped in, is just I haven't really remembered a moment of panic uh, in this mm-hmm. series. I mean, I really can't think of one. Um, the, we're, the Islanders, I, I think, set the record for most uh, you know dropped and broken sticks in a season a couple of years ago, and uh, <laughs> that 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 like kind of panicked play in their own zone has kind of been weeded out over the years, and it kind of came back when Pelic went down. But now that uh, he's back, I just really – I think I remember, you know, Andy Green had a turnover that led to that Verona breakaway. Devon Taves has had a couple turnovers. Uh, but other – like there's really been no sustained you know, dominance from from either opponent so far. And, and there's been no running around. This team is so organized on the back end. And, you know, so much attention has been 
play, paid to Braden Holtby. He, he played really well today. The Islanders winning a game that Braden Holtby played that well is huge. But there's really, you know, all the attention in the go- in the goaltending matchup has been, you know, oh, Holtby's been struggling. And at the other end of the ice, you know, Simeon Varlamov, I think, has allowed five even strength goals uh, so far in the playoffs. Like, the dude is talk about not panicking like he's just been very calm cool and collected back there every everything's very economical with his movement uh he's he's been really good like he's probably not getting a enough hype uh so far either like so uh, my hat's off to him my hat's like he's just like it's just he he fits his the way he's playing and the the way he's not been talked about kind of fits in with the the ethos of this team which is basically you know win as a team lose as a team and uh he's he's but he's been really really good yeah, no, he has. Um, it's a little bit dicey when he goes behind the net to play with the puck, as Butch mentioned uh, today. And, and I agree, things can get a little bit weird there. He can, he can kind of, you know, guys close in on you a lot faster, particularly in these playoffs. And and you know, any time the goalie plays the puck, it can become a problem. Obviously, he had that penalty in that, that game against the Panthers. But yeah, no, he's looked very, very good. Um, he had one save today. He didn't even know the puck was in front of him, and some some cap tried to jam it in, and and he made that big save, and he brought the he kind of closed in with the pipe the pipe there which was kind of nice um yeah no he's he's played very well again adam pellick played very very well today he's he's great at just stealing the puck from people at one point i think it was in today's game ovechkin had the puck behind the net and and pellick just went past him and took it from him. like he just absolutely just straight up took the puck from alex ovechkin and started going the other way and it was like dang this guy is just he's got skills that again just don't get mentioned that often so uh yeah, it's been fun to see, and uh, and it was his birthday, so happy birthday, Adam Pellick. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and maybe talk about some some big picture, you know, looks at having a three nothing lead, uh, picture big picture looks for the Caps, and uh, some some bubble intrigue. Uh, Tuka Rask uh, heading home, and uh, hell of a lot of excuses coming out of teams in the bubble. So <laughs> we'll uh, talk about that in a couple of minutes. Thanks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos like the New England Whalers, Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, teams from all over the country from all kinds of eras. Uh, They also have our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor T-shirts, which you can get there, and our portion goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. If you use the code LIGHTHOUSE15, you can save 15% off your order. So do that today because it's been a fun ride. VintageIceHockey.com. Um, so yeah, big picture wise, you know, I don't want to get too, too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, you know, anything can happen in game four, game four, by the way, is Tuesday at eight. 
So another another primetime matchup for the Islanders. Uh, you know, no no more noon games at least for a little while. Uh, maybe I, I think Thursday might be uh, an afternoon start if they get that far. So I don't want to look too far. You know, the, the Caps have an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, again, they, they showed more life today than they had in either of the other two games. So all I got to do is put, put together a 60-minute effort. But in in scanning some Caps blogs, it doesn't look like <laughs> their fans are too uh, too concerned that that's going to happen because they've kind of written this off. Um, the, the great uh, Russian machine never breaks, which is a great blog, called it uh, a, a dick punch today when uh, Barzell scored that overtime goal. Um, you know, they're just there's expectations are not very high right now. And uh, a lot of it rests on Todd Reardon who took over for Barry Trotz. He was kind of groomed a little bit to take over for Barry Trotz regardless of what happened. But, you know, as we all know, Trotz wanted a bit of a raise. The caps were like, uh, yeah, maybe not so much. And he stepped down and became an Islanders, the Islanders coach about a week later. And we're happy to have him and we love having him. And uh, a lot of caps fans are, Maybe not so happy with that decision a couple of years later, looking at a second straight uh, you know, playoff, uh, first round playoff bust. Um, and it's tough. Like I, 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 on one hand, you know, I'm glad the Islanders are where they are. But on the other hand, like it must it's feel feels very tough to have, you know, your team be that stacked with with really good players and just be very, you know, not far removed from a Stanley Cup. And to have kind of watched it kind of wither away a little bit again, barring any kind of weirdness, um, and so that that's kind of where they're at right now. It's 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 a different feeling than it was with the Penguins because <laughs> with the Penguins you wanted to see them get trashed, and with the Caps it's a, it's really more of kind of a uh, it's an interesting sociological experiment I have found um, in kind of reading over blogs and, and Twitter tweets and stuff like that. I will say that I there was a thread I noticed on Japer's Rink in the 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 recap of today's game, game three, where somebody's like, you know, I think it's time we, we, we came to the realization that the Islanders are a talented team. And that's what made me kind of think about what we were talking about earlier. Like a lot of people still think that this is kind of this lunch pail crew. These guys just, you know, they execute their game plan and, you know, every once in a while they get lucky. No, I mean, some of these guys are pretty good. We talked about Bailey, Lee, Barzell, Pellick, Pollock, like these guys, Taves, like these are guys who have talent and they're going to bite you and they're following a game plan that is designed to maximize their abilities. And so, Hey, there you go. If you can't figure it out. Well, that's your problem. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. They really don't like the coach over there. And, you know, even if the caps do come back and, and win game three, I don't think that's going to change very much uh, for this guy who is, you know, has the, I feel a little bad for Todd Reardon. Like the guy you replaced is now on the other side of a playoff series and it's gone about as wrong as it could possibly go. So that's uh that's what's kind of going on over there. Whereas we're just we're we love it. <laughs> we love the we love we're thankful that the Caps didn't pay Barry Trotz that money because now he's ours and we're not giving him up anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah, and and I think Todd Reardon um he might have won a cup or two as an assistant with the the Penguins, and so it's it's not like he he doesn't bring value to a team, and it, it wouldn't surprise me you know if, if if the Capitals like walked away from him if all of a sudden he ends up on the Islanders bench. Uh, you know, next year because Trotz knows him, obviously. And uh, there's always that chance that Lane Lambert uh, gets hired by another team. Um, but I think it's, it's funny, like that that Capitals team, um, you think about how long it took them to get over the hump and uh, that they, they, they when they went down 0-2 against the Blue Jackets, like, and, and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. But when, I remember pretty well, like, watching NBC's uh, post-game coverage after losing the second game. And there was like, Trotz was kind of walking off the ice, uh, 
you know, as, as the losing yeah. coach does. And With he had Tortorella, yeah, that whole and, thing. Yeah, yeah. He, has, he has his goatee and, and, uh, they were like, you know, is this, this could be it for Barry Trotz in Washington. Like he's, he's a, a free agent and, and you know, why, why would they, you know, keep him if he can't take this team, which is super talented and get them over the hump. If he can't do it, you know, who can. And um, then two weeks or, you know, two months later, they were like, the caps have to make sure they get this guy signed and you can't let a Stanley cup win it. He brought you your first Stanley cup. And uh, so you, you just, coaching definitely matters a lot in the NHL, but you just, it's, it's so, it's such a luck driven sport that, had had uh you know the the Capitals won the fl- coin flip in overtime and then come back win the series like you know Todd Reardon you know maybe uh, his his uh, livelihoods on a lot more stable ground. I also don't think it helps like he he's kind of got like Jack Capuano uh, syndrome, which is you know, they they don't look the part. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't I mean that in say, a disparaging yeah. way at all. Like I, nah. you know, it's I'm I'm just saying like Jack Capuano didn't look like an NHL coach. Um, well. You don't say that in a, in a disparaging way because they look like us. Like right. They look like guys like <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly. Behind yeah. an NHL bench, you know. And right. I agree. They, they they don't project a lot of confidence. Right. Yeah. And I think I think like when you look like a, a guy like Barry Trotz, who is a super unique looking dude. Like there's very there's so many things you can talk about. He's, he's like perfectly round head. He's, he's perfectly square body. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of you know quirk to the way he looks and. In a, in in a way, he like just ex- exudes this like professionalism, uh, whereas Todd Reardon doesn't. He looks like you know the guy who, you know, you show up and he's he's there and he he's at like H and R Block and saying like, oh yeah, I'll help you with your taxes this year. And, and whereas Capuano obviously was you know a different kind of uh, non uh, NHL hockey coach look, but uh, that definitely doesn't help uh, their regards. But I, I, I mean, this the, the Capitals are kind of what they are like they're they're good enough to win the stanley cup any year because of the the, the talent they have but if they don't if, if they don't have like everybody playing at their height especially on the bottom half of their roster it's just it's not going to work out and obviously the backstrom injury hurts a lot but uh they're they're not going no matter what happens with reardon if, if reardon is behind the bench at the start of the year or he's not like they're they're as much a threat next year as they always are just because of you know the type of the the, the type of players on this roster yeah, for sure. Um, oh, yeah, that that's a good notable thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, Nicholas Backstrom did not play in either game two or three. I expected him totally to play in game two, uh, and I was definitely surprised he wasn't in game three. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in game four, uh, and that would change things quite a bit. So uh, you got to look out for that, too. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's weird. I mean, the Islanders have been so far away from being even almost you know a contender that the idea of being on the other side of being a contender is kind of like a weird no man's land <laughs> like i guess you know at some point the the islanders might might get there and you know you hope that when you get there you've actually won something because if you get to the other side of contender status without having won anything well now you're just in in the phantom zone but that's where like the sharks are basically and the, and the predators too like they've they've been so good for so long and it came so close and now they have some very very difficult questions to answer answer for themselves and you don't know where they're going to go from here so it's 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 a tough spot you know and i Again, it's different from, you know, when it was with the Penguins, I, I had no sympathy whatsoever. Like, you guys have won a lot. <laughs> and and I didn't care how they felt about the Islanders winning at all. Um, but with the Caps, it's a little bit weird. Like, yeah, I'm kind is. of curious, you know, as, as to what, what they're feeling. So. I, 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 that, it, it is an interesting um, hmm. kind of like in, inward introspective into fandom, right? Because everyone's fandom is different, obviously. But it does really feel different. Like, there's 
I hate Tom Wilson, obviously, but there's a lot of this Caps team that like you just enjoy having them, you know, in in your division almost like because they're they're good, but they're beatable. Whereas the Penguins, when they're sometimes they're not beatable, like they're just you're just like, God damn, this team's too good. And um, but the the game is also shifting a little. We've noticed it, obviously, because of the way the Islanders play. But there was all this talk for so long about how the, the NHL, like you need a superstar, you need two superstars. You need three superstars. You should just start collecting superstars as if they like fell off trees. Like that's, that's it. Like, and um, it, it, I think a lot of it has to do with like the, the way the lightning are assembled because, but they are kind of just lucked or worked into incredible scouting with like guys like Yanni Gord, who are, you can plug in down the lineup and, and are really well, good. What are player. the Leafs doing? Yeah, The exactly. Leafs are collecting stars. That's all they do. <laughs> it's, and, and, but like the, the difference is like the, whereas like the Leafs, yeah, sure. They, they've collected stars, but the 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 lower half of their roster is just not is not uh, feasible, I guess, for a contender. Whereas, like you know, teams like the Lightning, yeah, sure, they've they've collected superstars over the years too. But if you've been paying attention to the way this team is built, like theirs, their bottom six and their defense is just as good as as and they put up just as good numbers as the rest of the team. Like the 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 league, it looked for a little while because of the Penguins and uh, you know even the Lightning, I guess too. Like the, the league was shifting towards this more snazzy style of play. Uh, and then now it's not like people are starting to look at the Stanley Cup last year was two really good defensive teams. Uh, this year we're seeing teams with great defenses bounce teams with bad defense. And if you have a if you can, if your team doesn't play defense, you get exposed pretty quickly. Uh, so it's like the Capitals were kind of in like this weird they're in this weird mode where next year if like they bring in Bruce Boudreau again, who w- it would be mm. pretty funny if they brought him back, uh, who's who's great at setting a team up. To, to excel defensively like they'll be dangerous again and uh like the penguins were really good in the middle part of this year because of how good their defense was so as as much as people are clamoring for mcdavid types and we want to see like the 1980s of hockey that's not coming back like it's going to be defense it's going to be lou lamarillo 1996 de- you know five devils one two two traps like that's the way the game is shifting because those teams are having more success and they're exceeding their expectations more than uh the teams with uh with superstars who, who are definitely not exceeding their expectations. Uh, no. You can and see Edmonton and Toronto for that. No, for sure. And actually it's, I'm glad you brought up the lightning because to me, a lot of their stars are also their third and fourth line guys. So like to me, Yanni Gord, for example, and Alex Kalorn, like they're just as big a star as, as uh, Kucherov is, you know, cause it's like, they're the guys that are doing a lot of the work too. And yeah, Kucherov scores a lot of goals and he gets the MVP votes. But I mean, to me, when I think of the lightning, the first guy I think of almost is Yanni Gort. Like he's just, he's, he's almost like, you know, a little bit like their Casey Zizekas only he's way better. And I don't think I'm not saying that to disparage Casey Zizekas. I think he's just that much better. Like Gord could be a second or third or first line player on half of the other teams in the league. But for the lightning, he's like their third line guy. You know, so it's pretty crazy. Um, actually, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up goaltending too, because I was watching the, uh, the game with my daughter today, and I was explaining to her how goaltending has changed quite a bit over the years. And you know, it was a guy named Patrick Waugh who created this sort of, you know, or popularized this butterfly style where you got your pads out here, your arms out here. And before then, guys didn't really play like that. She's like, "How do they play before?" And I'm like, "Well." going down to make a save was kind of frowned upon a little bit. <laughs> you know, you try to stay up and kick the puck out. And, you know, Billy Smith was the Islanders goalie at that time. And he was one of the better goalies of his era. But if you watched him, you'd be like, man, the guys in the league now would, would victimize 
Billy Smith, you know, they would just, he would not be able to, to survive today. Nobody does plays like that anymore. So yeah, th- things have changed and it's, it's pretty interesting that, um, you know, what, what you've got to, you got to kind of follow the trends and I don't know if the caps are, are necessarily there, but yeah, they're definitely going to be still dangerous. Uh, I could see Peter Laviolette behind their bench. Uh, that just makes a lot of sense to me. It just feels like, you know, feels like it's his time to coach cap. <laughs> you know, American guy. He's done the whole, you know, Islanders, Hurricanes, uh flyers I, it just it just makes sense yeah and it, it, it will all of a sudden the metro is going to have you know the the er, the mid aughts uh all-stars of coaches it'll be laviolette yeah. lindy ruff will have <laughs> trots yeah. tortorella yeah, right. Vigneault. Yeah. like what 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 a, what a weird the division these guys yeah yeah the uh the yeah the rangers will have to hire somebody uh, ken hitchcock i don't know i guess maybe or whatever but uh let's find somebody to <laughs> to fill that spot um yeah so yeah it's, it's been pretty wild um game four uh is tuesday at eight o'clock we'll have to see what happens i don't i don't want to talk too much about it and just hope the islanders can uh can take care of business and lock it down um the other thing speaking of lockdowns and the bubble and everything uh this weekend big news uh out of boston is that tuka rask has decided to uh, remove himself from the bubble and go home and be with his family, which includes his wife and uh, two young kids and in fact, and a newborn as well. Um, you know, this, this made a lot of noise. Obviously it was a shock. Like, Oh my God, really? He's doing this. Yaro Halak takes over our old friend uh, takes over for, in, for the Bruins in net. And uh, you know, I said this on Twitter, like, you know, Tuka Rask clearly has other more important concerns on his mind than, the feelings of Bruins fans or anybody else on Twitter. And he needs to take care of what he needs to take care of. And if that means leaving the bubble after a couple of weeks to go home, and be with his family, well, then he's going to do that and good luck to him. And he deserves all the credit in the world. And, you know, he's going to do it, do it. Um, that unfortunately didn't fly with Mike Milbury, who we had our say with last week and uh, Jack Edwards, who uh, Jack, I don't think Jack said anything about Rask in particular, but um, the Bruins ended up winning their game against the Hurricanes, taking a two-one lead. But uh, uh, Andre Svechnikov looked like a bro- he sustained a broken ankle, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, that's awful for him!" And Jack Edwards made it about some some play that he he kind of sounded like he deserved to get hurt because uh, he had kind of you know poked the bear, uh, so to speak, with Zdeno Chara at, before. I don't know. It's just. These guys, it just bothers me. And like I said, we we said a lot about Milbury last week, and I don't want to go on too much about him, but it really bugs me. The thing that bother, bugs me the most about still giving Milbury a, vo- uh, a, a platform to voice these incredibly stupid things um, was is that AJ Malesko is right there. Like she's also on the NBC payroll. She's done like just have her call the games. Like, why do we even need Mike Milbury calling these games and doing these intros and talking about how, you know, he's left his team in a lurch and this is why Boston has never really embraced him. Like he's just being a douche. Like just let AJ do the games, please. Then the only angry emails you get are from people who are like, well, why is a girl got these games? And those guys, you can just tune them out because they're morons here. It's going to get angry emails because this guy is a, is a, a caveman and he's spouting nonsense about a guy who's just, doing what he thinks is best for his family. Like, God forbid, you know? So I don't know. It was just really irritating. And, and, and the other thing too, is people are like, Oh my God, what are the Bruins going to do? Uh, Yaro Halak is pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, don't forget. Yeah. All right. He's a backup, but like that dude's pretty good. And watching him play brought back a lot of Islanders memories. Like, Oh man, this guy, this guy was a guy. He's like, he was like the Barry Trotz almost of goaltending for the Islanders. Like he, he brought a stability to the Islanders goalies that we had not had in quite some time. And you know, playing by the seat of his pants didn't bother us because he made a lot of saves, which is what 
more than you can say for a lot of Islanders who preceded him. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to see. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think the Bruins will be okay. Yeah, right? Like, it, yeah. I, I just – it was blowing my mind. People were freaking out. Like, like Yaroslav Halak is, is probably the 15th best goalie in the league, maybe right. better than that. Like, it, it's just – he's just a backup. He just happens to be a backup because of the way a goaltending market works is that – you know, sometimes it's a buyer's market and sometimes it's a goalie's market. And last, like, like whenever he signed with the Bruins two years ago, like you were like, I was like, well, how is Yarrow Halak just not getting a job right now? And he's, uh, <laughs> and that was coming off that Islanders. Yeah. Like you said, the Islanders were playing terrible defense and somehow this guy, you know, would make these, he would, you know, let up four goals a game, but it should have been eight a night. Uh, had, had they still been running with like, you know, Joey McDonald and Jan Denis. But uh, the, the Milbury thing, I just, it blows my mind because, like Jeremy Roenick got in trouble, you know, six months ago or whatever. It's like these guys, they need to actually cross the line, like cross, cross the line mm-hmm. for, for them to, to actually um, get in trouble. Like there's there, and there's some that like, it doesn't like what Milbury does. Like it's, you're just like, Oh, he, he's, he's already at the line and you're just kind of expecting him to say it. And it's almost like, he's like goading you. He's just like, no, I'm, you know, I'm here and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I don't know where he, he must know where the bodies are buried or something because it's, <laughs> it blows my mind that this guy who, if, if, if your goal as a broadcast uh, company, you know, as NBC sports is, is to make the experience is about the viewers and their, uh, you know, entertainment, then having a guy like him on, call is, is is very strange because nobody likes him um and <laughs> and and you like you saying like there's better people and i i totally get the uh like the you want like i know you, you want people to be talking about the broadcast and and there's like some weird i don't know if, there's there's some like weird allure of having you know a don cherry type in the booth just because like it gets people talking no matter and that's all they care about is people tuning in and watching the viral clips afterwards and what like that's what makes them money um but it's just it's it's where the 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 business of sports media needs to kind of gravitate away from because you need that that is going to naturally let more people into this kind of boys club and and let you know, raise more voices of people that who are very good and, and just don't have a chance because Mike Milbury and Jack Edwards are clogging the system. And it's, it's sad about Edwards too, is because he, like, if he didn't put his foot in his mouth, I would love that kind of energy in my like play-by-play guy. Like he yeah, was, he, I enjoy Jack Edwards calls. I really yeah, do. Me too. It's, it's just, just like, yeah. he's just an idiot. Like if he, yeah. doesn't, if he wasn't, <laughs> If he wasn't an idiot three times a year, you'd be like, I, I could, I, I don't know. Like, it's like if you go into a bar and you say like, oh no, I like Jack Edwards, like in, in a hockey bar and in all of hockey Twitter was there, you'd have drinks thrown at you. Um, but if he, if, if, if he was like a little bit better, like I think everybody in that bar would be like, no, I, I, I like Edwards too. He's, he's, he's enthusiastic. He's got like the, the right kind of uh, call for a home broadcast, but if, if he, it just makes defending him. Uh, so hard because I'm just like this guy. Like he does every he, he does exactly what I want out of my Homer broadcaster. Like this is he's perfect. He he he. You know Chris King and Jack Edwards are kind of similar in that way. Like they're both over the top enthusiastic for their team, which is you know for a radio broadcaster whatever. Like he's if you're gonna try to tell me you want Chris King to call the game on the line um, on on WHRU Hofstra Radio for Islander games, I think you're probably wrong. Like you you want some Long Island flair and enthusiasm in it 
But Chris King hasn't been able has, – isn't an idiot. Like he doesn't say stupid stuff. That's why we love him and that's why it's okay to love him. Whereas Jack Edwards just is like, oh, you're like, God, why would you do that? Like now everybody is mad at you again. You know, six <laughs> months – it took six months for people to calm down if they're the last stupid thing you said. I was going to say it's like twice a year basically. Yeah, exactly. Like it's he just, says it's, something really dumb. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I agree with you though. Like there's a line that neither of them has actually crossed. So they're still there. But I did find it funny that – I. We so we spent a lot of time last episode talking about Mike Milbury, and then the next day I listened to, or two days later, I listened to the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, which is Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, and it's usually a very good podcast. But I got really irritated by this one because <laughs> they kept talking about how much you know they talked about Milbury's comments. Overtime needs to be changed, and how it's they go on these games go on too long. And then he took a picture of the the CN Tower, and he called it the Space Needle. And and Friedman was going on about how he knows that you know this is just a troll job, and that's what Mike does is he just trolls. And they had this, they told some funny story about him just basically being a dick to somebody, and and how it was how funny it was. And they talked about how how much they love working with him and how much fun he is. And I I, I get that he's your buddy and he's your colleague, and you have all these fun stories with him, but like. I kind of feel like if they looked at it from the perspective of a viewer, not even the perspective as Islanders fans, like obviously we're not going to like the guy, but from the perspective of a viewer, there's a very different experience listening to Mike Milbury. And uh, I just, it kind of bugged me that I was just like, really, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I was surprised that they would go so hard to defend that guy as opposed to being like, you know, I can kind of see why somebody would, would not like him. They were just all about him. They also talked about how great it was that the Rangers got the first overall pick and how wonderful it was that he'll be in New York and what a big market it is. And I was just like, it was not a fun listen. <laughs> it was, you know, normally those guys are pretty good, but that was just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. It was, it was bad. But uh, and then Mike put his foot in his mouth again. So we'll see what they say next week if they do anything. Um, anyway, so yeah, Godspeed to Garask. Good luck to you. The Bruins will be fine. I'm sure. I don't know. They're, they're backup is some guy named Dan Vladar who sounds like Darth Vader, which is kind of cool, I guess. So, um, sounds yeah. like, sounds like a Bruin anyway. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, like if, as long as long, yeah, like you said, as long as Halak stays there, um, as yeah. you know, is healthy, they'll, they'll be totally fine. They make life so easy on their goalies anyways, that it's not a, not a big, not a big deal for them. And I'm sure they'll get posture knocked back at some point. Whereas that, yeah, that, that's fetching a cop injury. That, Oof, that, that was, really, was hard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to watch and it's just bad for Ugh. the hurricanes and, I think, uh, you know, just looking ahead a little bit, you know, obviously you got to still win game four or, or five or six or seven for the Islanders. Um, the fourth, they're going to all say like the fourth game is the hardest to win. And uh, I remember last year after the the Penguins series, we're going up three, nothing, how, how um, still unbelievably nervous I was about, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and like just taking a doomsday scenario with me on the train and being like, oh God, like this game tonight, like that, the Islanders are going to lose. And all of a sudden it's three, one. And then if they lose game three, another one that's pressures on and like i start like like made up this crazy scenario in my head where the islanders were all of a sudden in a game seven against the penguins even though they were up three nothing uh but the this 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 series like if as long as the islanders take care of business they're going to most likely be in you know a, a slug fest with tampa bay or boston in the next one so it's uh it's going to look really different than the way things have gone for them. And uh, they haven't really been punched in the mouth yet. And last playoffs we saw, they got punched in the mouth in game one against, uh, they actually got punched in the mouth before the series started by having to move the series to the Barclays center. But once they got punched in the mouth, they, uh, they kind of just never re- really to get that mojo back. So you really hope that um, if, you know, the Islanders get out of the series against the Capitals, uh, they're ready for 
for that because it's coming and it's going to be bad. Yeah, I try not to think too much about who they match up against in the next round because really, it, like you said, it just comes down to executing. And and if something if they end up do losing a game, they're going to have to just adjust and and figure things out. And last year, you know, we talked all season about how what a bad matchup they were with the Hurricanes, and then they get to the second round of playoffs, and lo and behold, who's there? You know, and I, I still think they're a bad matchup for the Hurricanes. Um, but you know not playing the Hurricanes means you're probably playing the Bruins, which is not a good matchup either. And then you got the Lightning who are, you know, the Columbus is pushing them. I, I think, you know, it's safe to say that we will probably still expect the Lightning to win that series. But if they do, it won't have been easy. I mean, even if they win in five games, like that will not have been an easy series for them. And and we saw the Flyers get punched in the mouth by the Canadians. They're actually going to play that next game of that series tonight. And after game one, Flyers fans were all were all flying all high and they, they thought they had the whole thing wrapped up after game one. And then the Canadians just decided, nope, not happening. And they just completely obliterated <laughs> Philly in game two. And actually it was, it was pretty hard to watch. Like it was just, it was like a completely different team. So, um, you know, things, things can change in a hurry, but what I like about the Islanders and is that they keep saying it's one game at a time. It's not going to get any easier. We just have to keep focused, and that's just the way it is. So I think we all need to take that approach and and that mentality, and just enjoy it for what it is, and and take it one game at a time, and tune in on Tuesday and and see where it goes, and that's it. Uh, okay, uh, you can read us. Or you could thanks for listening. Uh, you can uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. You can follow that at Twitter at ll at LH hockey Dom obviously is, you know, having a good time with all this and, and all of our writers. Um, you can follow us at LHH podcast to get more podcasts uh, from Nolan Dan and from Joe. Um, you can follow Mike on Twitter at where the big Lebowski with two E's, the big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, you can follow me at culture of losing and, uh, you know, we'll see everybody on Tuesday at eight and, uh, see if the Islanders can, uh, close this bad boy out and uh, then go back to, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're already doing the doubles tournament and ping pong. I don't know what's next after that Jenga. I got, I don't yeah, know. We got to send them something. Be like, yeah, here's yeah, some, here's a uh, settlers of Catan or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully maybe John, John Ledecky floated everybody in Nintendo switch or something. And they had a good time there. So uh, we'll see, but uh, you know, but they, they got to get past uh, the caps first. So we'll have to see what happens on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, when we talk to you. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.